When Molly was growing up in New Jersey, she was just like every other Jewish kid at the synagogue, except for one thing. I'm Molly, and my dad's a rabbi, so I was what people refer to as an RK, a rabbi's kid. Molly and her two brothers grew up going to synagogue and seeing their father leading services. Judaism naturally has been a big part of her life for as long as she can remember. At home, though, Molly says her dad was as close to a regular dad as he could be. I wouldn't call him normal. I don't think anyone's dad is normal, but he's a great guy. When we think about where we get our religion from, it's often from our parents. And for people like Molly, you'd think religion might play a bigger factor. Molly says religion plays a huge part in her life. It always has, but not in the ways you might expect. I really enjoyed the community. I knew when I went on a Friday night to synagogue, I'd see Pearl and Harry and... um, Jack and all of my friends who were above the age of 65. I was loved. I was the rabbi's daughter. Everyone wanted to like kiss my cheeks. And that for me was like the sense of understanding community. For Molly, the constant surrounding of religion subconsciously made her overly aware of how Judaism fits in the broader context of the world. It, de- it never felt like a chore to me to have to go to synagogue as a kid. It was like this exciting thing. And we had Shabbat dinner together. And also like, for us to go and travel to Israel was like a big part of that. What was it like to travel to Israel? Can you tell me what you took away from that? And I guess if it made you feel more Jewish when you were growing up? I think definitely to some extent I did. I built a relationship with this place and to explore my Jewish identity and I think be an advocate for a place, but also like call out when I see things that I don't want to see happening. However, I think that it's very complicated. I don't know that I necessarily fully took away what my parents wanted me to take away (laughs) from spending so much time there, but I know that they are really proud of me for at least having some sort of relationship with this very complicated place. Still, when she went to college, she entered as a Judaic studies major. She was especially interested in issues involving social justice, specifically in regards to things she observed in Israel. Really, really, like, I thought that was kind of what I wanted to study. I'm sure at one point I thought maybe I wanted to be a rabbi, as, like, I feel like 90% of Reformed Jews want to do. But (laughs) anyway, um, so that changed pretty quickly. I felt that as my politics were shifting, I just found a lot of the classes I was taking to be really difficult to be in. Um, I then became an anthropology major and felt that a lot of my college experience was still like shaped by social justice being such a deeply rooted like value or part of like my life that needed that was very much influenced based on kind of the upbringing I had. She says that undoubtedly her parents introducing her to religion in different ways including that first trip to Israel is what shaped her into the person she is today. Most importantly because her parents allowed her to explore Judaism on her own and find personal meaning in it rather than directing her down a certain path She says she feels closer to Judaism than she ever would have imagined she could be. I think that every day it gives me meaning and I don't even know what it is. And I think that's kind of cool. Today, we're looking into what role our parents play in shaping our faith. From day one, our parents decide if we should be baptized or circumcised, if we should wear a yarmulke, a putka, or a hijab, or if they'll name us Michaela, Muhammad, or Mordechai. As we get older, we're able to start considering how important religion is to us, and maybe choose to distance ourselves from it. A Muhammad might become Mo, or someone might decide only to wear their yarmulke to synagogue, but the beliefs and ideas ingrained in our heads will always be there. Are kids raised without religion more likely to stay that way, 
and why do so many people who abandon their faith in their 20s come back to it later on in life? Should every religion maybe take a lesson from the Amish and give teenagers a chance to completely leave their community and reevaluate it? In a way, that's what Molly did when she took her gap year and went to Israel to decide how she really felt about Judaism. I'm Brian Benton. And I'm Max Box. You're listening to Revolves Around Me, a podcast about the intercept of two things that think they're the center of the universe, religion and millennials. Today, what roles do our parents play in shaping our own religious trajectories? Molly is one very specific example of how parents can influence faith in a child's life. We also talked to another millennial in a similar situation. My father is a Southern Baptist pastor. I'm a pastor and a good friend of Max, I can say that, right? Yeah. Okay. And I'm a pastor here in Northern California. So we talked to Hayden, a 22-year-old Christian whose father is a Southern Baptist pastor in the San Francisco Bay Area. And this is him talking about the role that faith and Christianity played two decades ago when his two children were born. The faith in, faith in God has really helped me to encourage them to be the people that God made them to be, too. I wouldn't necessarily say, you have to follow my footsteps. I never thought I would control their lives in, in that way uh, because I knew God had a plan for them. There are definitely families out there that are devout and know they'll raise their kids with a certain faith. And, uh, of course, we wanted to uh, help them to understand uh, what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And when they made their decision for that, uh, we, had to, we wanted to make sure, uh, my wife and I, to be able to um, um, educate them, train them, and tell them and, and show them, really, from example, there's also a rise of interfaith families. In fact, interfaith marriage is rising faster than ever. Max, it sounds like you're about to drop some statistics on me. Oh, I'm definitely going to. So in 1998, 15% of all marriages were interfaith. Today, according to a study done by the City University of New York, that percentage has risen to 26. But listen to this. I'm listening. 56% of religiously unaffiliated people are married to someone who does identify with the faith. 65% of Jews are in interfaith marriages, 82% of Mormons, and a whopping 91% of Hindus. That's a fun fact to tell all your friends. So you always hear about families that celebrate Hanukkah and Christmas, or families like yours, Max, where one parent was religious and the other was less so or maybe not religious at all. In our first episode, Emma Green from The Atlantic actually even mentioned this as a reason why we might see religion declining amongst millennials. As religions and also races and ethnicities mix, intersectionality rises and religion gets a new role in family life. It's no longer a defining factor for a lot of people. So I can only imagine that in those households, conversations were had throughout marriage about what faith a child would be raised as. But I guess when you're a pastor or a rabbi, that's not exactly what happens. Yeah. So for Hayden, faith was a daily obligation, a fact that was made even more obvious on Saturday nights and Sunday mornings. There's no way I could like not go to my home church and or just not go to church in general. I don't think that would be accepted. How do you think your father would feel if you woke up one day and just said, I don't feel like going today? He definitely wouldn't have any control over that. He would be very disappointed and sad. And that would make me feel sad, so then I would just go. But (laughs) (laughs) As you can probably guess, this had a huge impact on Hayden's life moving forward. And as she began to drift away from her Christian faith, upon arriving to college, things changed even more. Hayden mentioned that as she got older and she met different people outside of her church community, 
it became something she thought about more. They always thought I was a really devout Christian, so they didn't even, they were kind of like, yeah, I'm so excited for you to get involved in church there. It's going to be great. Um, You're going to be part of a fellowship. And for me, I was really not interested in Christianity in my last kind of year of high school. I really appreciated the way that Wing explained his thoughts on this. Obviously, he wants his daughters to be Christian. It's such a big part of his life. But both he and Hayden emphasized that it was never forced. I mean, any child grows up, right, and and begins to find out about themselves and, and, and experiments on certain things. And that's all part of growing up. And that's all part of, of, of understanding her and who she is, and, and hopefully she's understanding herself, too. Would you say things have gotten more difficult or less difficult as they've gotten older? Um, it's not more or less. It's just it, it comes. We just have to acknowledge that God is there and he allowed it at this time and, and uh, it's just something for us to learn from. So now we have two examples of the role devout parents can play on shaping their children's religion, but that's obviously a small sample. So let's talk about two other relationships with religion growing up. Max, what were some of the big moments that stood out for you when you were growing up in New Jersey and in California? Well, it's interesting that you say that because I don't have a lot of religious moments that I can remember. And I don't really even know my own personal story. What I do know is that I was baptized at one and I don't really know why. So you said in the first episode, your mom is Catholic and your dad wasn't, right? Was there like a conversation that you've talked to your parents about? Like how, when they got married, they decided that you would be Catholic and your brother would be Catholic as well? Well, I mean, we're not, I don't even know if we were considered to be Catholic, but I asked them. All right, it's just going to be two questions. Can you just talk to me about why I was baptized? When I was growing up, you know, we, uh, first of all, I also went to a Catholic girls school, a school that was run by German nuns starting from kindergarten, which was uh, when I was five years old, all the way to college. So you can say that I had, in a way, an insular Catholic educational background, and that was matched by a homogeneously Catholic upbringing. So we went to Catholic, uh, we went to Sunday Mass pretty regularly, and that was also... um, enhanced or complemented by my Catholic education. And I felt that this ritual, this baptismal ritual, uh, for you, when you were five months old in San Francisco, was a way for me to connect to my religious culture. So uh, that was a very symbolic decision and very conscious decision to choose that to choose that church in San Francisco where you would be baptized. Was there a challenge uh, choosing to raise me sort of religious, or was it um, was it just one of those things where you kind of decided, okay, we'll baptize him, but we won't we won't go to church every Sunday, and religion won't be a big part of our lives because it really wasn't. When I think about my childhood, we would go 
on Christmas and Easter, and that was basically it. I knew even before I met your father that, you know, being transplanted in the United States, that there were, I would be confronted with uh, a culture and an environment where I was, um, I would be a religious minority. I would be just one of many. Uh, so it was not, it was not necessarily a deal breaker in meeting somebody who would eventually be the man I would marry. And so for me, religion was just one of many things that perhaps embodied, you know, the full, you know, spectrum of a person. And so if, you know, when I went, when I met with, uh, when I met Papa and I realized that, yes, you know, he was, uh, he comes from a um, Methodist background, but like many of the other Americans I knew and I met prior to meeting him, religion did not play, or at least organized religion, did not play a very strong role in the way they lived. And it did not diminish their person, their personality, and my appreciation for who they were. Max's mom continued with a really thoughtful explanation of how Max's faith was influenced by a combination of her upbringing in the Philippines, her husband's less prominent religious background in the U.S., and the cultural and religious diversity of the country as a whole. And my experience was pretty different, because both my parents were raised Jewish. So when I talked to my mom, the two things I wanted to learn a bit more about were the ways my dad, growing up in a very Jewish part of New York, and my mom in a much less Jewish part of Arkansas, possibly affected how my sister and I were raised. And I also wanted to hear about the thought process behind me not having a traditional bar mitzvah when I turned 13. So when Julia was born, and I guess when I was born too, did you guys talk about if we would be raised Jewish, or was it just kind of assumed that we would go to synagogue and things like that because both of you were Jewish too? I think we inclined to kind of do it the more traditional way, but then even though where we live, there are so many synagogues and so many options, none of them exactly suited us, it seemed like. Like when I was growing up and we had a really small synagogue, you sort of had to make adjustments to what you wanted it to be. And Daddy was Daddy grew up where there were obviously a lot of synagogues, but he wasn't really thrilled with his either. So we sort of just made adjustments to make it more meaningful. Why did I never go to Jewish summer camp? I think at the time you were you were more interested in camps that were sort of specific to something you were interested in, like skating or track or filmmaking, different things. And then can we talk about my bar mitzvah? Because I didn't really have a bar mitzvah. Well, you kind of did. It was planned and it was thoughtful. And you you did have your Torah portion and you did write a speech. Did you guys talk to me about it, or was it just something that you and maybe Julia decided? No, we talked about it. We had wanted to go to Israel when Julia was first, when Julia was 13. But then it was a troublesome time there. And then when it came along for you, the timing was pretty good, and it worked out. And we stopped going to synagogue before that, right? I don't really remember. It was kind of off and on. I think it, I think... I think it was not intentional. I think it was as we got into that Bart Mitzvah thing and we went to a few of them and they didn't really seem to work for us. After hearing all this stuff about your family, it doesn't sound like your experience was much different than Molly's. Yeah, I agree. I think that both my family and her family really emphasized the history of Judaism and finding a connection to the cultural side of it. 
and some of the things like um, whether or not you went to services every day that you were supposed to go or how exactly you followed some of the rituals that are in Judaism were less important than the the bigger picture of the faith itself. So Max, in the first episode, I talked about the strangely important role that Transparent has played in my life over the past few years, and you actually started watching the show, right? I'm on the third season, and it's it's really, it's incredible. Do you remember in the first season when Ali learns that she was the one that made the decision not to have a bat mitzvah? Yeah, yeah. So I should point out, this isn't similar to my situation. My mom is right that we did talk about it, and I also agree with her that the experience of going to Israel was probably more impactful for me than having a big party. I look back at that as one of the most important parts of my childhood being Jewish. But I do think this is a good clip to play just because it shows the struggle that appears when you give young people the ability to make big decisions about their faith and how they'll play them out in their day-to-day lives. Hey, Dad. Hi. So um, Mom tells me that you canceled my bat mitzvah so you could go to some dress-up camp in the woods. Is that true? No, no, no. not at all. No. I, it, it was, uh, I let you cancel it. I was 13. Honey, you canceled your bat mitzvah. 13-year-olds don't get to cancel bat mitzvahs. Honey, yeah. you canceled your bat mitzvah. Yeah. We made an agreement. I respected your mind. I can't get you to do your haftorah. What do you want me to do, point a gun at your head? So don't be so self-centered. So when you're young and you participate in extracurriculars, there's a moment in everyone's life where they have to decide between different things. With religion, we never really get that chance, and I think it's hard to see if that's a good thing or not. I had to choose between figure skating and running track, and I chose skating because it made me happier and it was something that I thought was going to be more important and leave a bigger impact on me throughout life. But a 12-year-old might not have had the ability or the luxury to decide if they like religion or not. No, I think that in a way, regardless of how religious you're raised, it's hard to make such a big decision about whether you want to stick with it or not. And I almost feel like it's a good thing that our parents put us on some sort of a path. So let's wrap this up by connecting Molly to Hayden to ourselves in the best way that we can. We originally had the idea to talk to kids of pastors or rabbis just because we thought it might contrast our own lives and the lives of some of our friends who didn't have that experience. But to me, it turned out to really just show that we all kind of have a lot more autonomy than we expected when it comes to our own faith. Yeah, so Molly completely set her own path, and Hayden is trying to carve out the same thing. Yeah, and both of us are doing the exact same thing right now. In a way, like making this podcast has been our way to evaluate the faith that we grew up in and decide what kind of role we wanted to play in our lives going forward. And so I'm happy my parents raised me with some spirituality, but not so much that it felt force-fed. I've still always had a chance to kind of go my own way and figure out religiously where I stand. I agree. I think I had a slightly better sense of things, but I mean, I had never even thought about the fact that I never had a bar mitzvah. And I think for a lot of people, that would come as a shock when they hear that I am pretty Jewish. I'm just happy that I was introduced to religion, not as something necessary, or on the other hand, something terrible. It was just a thing that happens, like trying a new extracurricular. I realize there's an argument that can be made that kids should be able to choose their own religion. But I think there's also an argument that can be made that if spirituality is important or not important to parents, it will interfere with a kid's life to not at least put them slightly on that track. I agree. 
Religion's tricky. Thanks for helping us out, parents. Revolves Around Me is produced by me, Brian Benton, in Brooklyn, New York. And me, Max Barnes, in San Francisco, California. Our website is revolvesaround.me. And you can also email us at revolvespodcast at gmail.com. We cannot say enough how important your feedback is to us. So thank you to everyone that has sent us a message or an email telling us what they think. And to everyone else, please send us a message. Tell us what you think or if you or someone you know would be interesting to talk to. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, send us an email, or even send us a postcard. Special thanks to Molly, Hayden, and Wing. And uh, thanks, Mom and Dad. Thanks a lot. We love you. You love my parents? No, I love mine. All right, whatever. See you in two weeks.